preempting, and you said this earlier, but like preempting their objection, like just because you've got them over the first hurdle doesn't mean that you don't need to continually set expectations. I think people just don't know what they don't know. And so they don't know what the next step is. And so there's all this fear and uncertainty. Okay. When I turn my application into you, like what's going to happen next? And then you tell them, okay, well, this is what we're going to do next. We're going to review your offers, right? Some people do this like kind of compare and share type thing. Maybe they pull some rates from Lender Spotlight or whatever. They're going to show those to the borrower, but the borrower is still wanting to know, why are you showing me these? Am I going to get pressured into something? Do I have time to make the decision? Are these the only ones that are available to me? Like, Think about how many questions they have in their head. And so in your communication, you need to preemptively go over some of those things. Hey, we're going to go over this compare and share report. This is going to be a 15-minute Loom video. You're going to get to watch it again in the privacy of your own home. You're going to be able to respond with questions that you have based on this. And once you've agreed with me on the offer that you're going to accept, the next step is I'm going to submit this to the lender and then we're going to get the document. Like, you know, just give them your process, give them the next two steps and actually overcome some of the objections, what I'd say. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Carter Zimmerman. Carter is the president of Lendesk and was originally one of the creators of Finmo, co-founders of Finmo with Greg Williamson, and has a background in marketing. I actually didn't know this about Carter. I don't know how I didn't know this, but so we actually decided to do a discussion about marketing. We talk about top of funnel. We get into some very tactical stuff as as well as middle of funnel. And we talk about it in general terms, but we always bring it back to specific strategies you can use in your mortgage business. It was a really fun conversation. And we talk a little bit about some of the cool things that Lendesk is cooking up. Uh, I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. Also in this episode, I've talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the top three reasons you're losing leads today. Uh, before we jump into this episode, I gotta give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use for borrowers, which is something that I like. As you're filling with that application, it's it's automatically knows what documents to ask for. It's called Smart Documents. And so as you're filling with the app, it sends them a link, says, hey, here's what we need. And we've been finding more and more often that clients are actually sending in documents along with the app because they actually get the documents to fill with the app. It's also connected to Lender Spotlight, which is the most robust tool for searching rates and guidelines. And when you go to hit submit to a lender, it's got smart submission notes. So it actually pulls key data from the application, puts it in the notes so that it makes it easy for your underwriter to say yes. If you want to check them out, go to lendescom slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Carter. Hey, Carter, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So if you don't mind, start off with just tell me like who you are and what are you doing right now? We'll talk about how you got to where you are in a minute here. Yeah. So now I'm uh, currently the president of Lendesk. And I'm running all the day-to-day, helping on the product side, the tech side, helping the people stay cohesive, doing all of that. Right. And so how did you end up president of Lendesk? Tell me how you got to there. Yeah, pretty crazy story. So originally, I started right out of school, university as a marketer. I was running a marketing agency and creating funnels. And this was in the days of Facebook leads, like the golden era of Facebook leads, where you could run any funnel couple dollars, you could get a borrower client. And at this time, I had actually just met Greg Williamson, who was one of the clients at our marketing agency. And we started having some success running leads and early funnels on Facebook. And he said, Hey, I got a group of guys in Canada, top brokers, do you want to run ads for them as well? And I said, sure. I came in and started working with them. And we had some good success. And then we started seeing some drop off 
after you know you collect the lead and then i started asking them hey what's going on with this drop off and conversion and they said well when we get them to the point of application intake and document collection we're sending emails out and obviously those emails were slow hard to convert and i said is there any tool in canada that kind of facilitates this back and forth digital brokerage process or digital mortgage process and they said no so we collaborated together and we built what is now Finmo. And Finmo was acquired in October of 2020 by Lindesk. Right. And your background was marketing. So your entry into this whole thing. So tell me about that. So the marketing agency, how has that helped you with what you're doing right now? It's honestly like, it's almost a mindset. It's a way I live. Like, so in school, I majored in rhetoric, which is kind of this art of persuasion. And I always- That would have been something I would have enjoyed. You know, I would have definitely enjoyed rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Like, you know, you're learning about Aristotle and you're learning how to craft a message from the foundation. And a lot of the marketing today is built off some of these principles of, you know, you need to have ethos, pathos, logos, these core principles in order to craft a pitch that someone trusts and they believe and they're intrigued by. And so not only is it effective in marketing itself, but I think it's helped me as a leader to lead Lindesk and to actually get to the place I'm in. And sometimes I wake up and I, I'm just like, I don't know why, you know, some of these people who are like really experienced in this industry, they're willing to follow a company that I'm leading. And I feel very honored about that. But I do think it speaks to maybe some of that persuasion, so to speak. Right, right. So you said ethos, pathos, and logos. So define those for me, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the pathos would be kind of the emotional appeal. It's probably the strongest when it comes to persuasion. So when you're talking to a client, I'll frame this in kind of the mortgage terms here, it's really about, they're probably scared, right? They're probably afraid of uncertainty. What are those core emotions? And if you're able to unblock some of those core emotions, that's probably your strongest pitch to persuade them. So everyone is highly emotional. It's where you should target most of your conversion tactics. So logos is what I would say is second most important. And that would be where you go logical appeal. So this would be someone who's very analytically minded. There are some people who have logos as their most important. It's related back to mortgage brokering. This would be probably around like the calculators, the numbers somebody wants to see. And if you can engineers, back that up. Probably if you think about the disk profile, the high yeah. C, somebody who's like, you know, likes yeah. to order and that's how their brain works. Yeah, yeah. And then ethos is really around the ethical side of it, right? Like this is a good person speaking well, is I think what Cicero said. This is taking me all the way back to university. So if some of this is incorrect, I'm sure we can correct this in the notes here. But yeah, this would be like a distinguished character, someone who has good upstanding. And so like when you're talking to someone like that, you're already going to believe them because they're just a good person, right? That would be the ethos side of the persuasion. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I like that actually a lot. I'm a huge, I've been reading a lot of sort of a historical fiction about the Greek period, ancient Greece, and it's a really fascinating just, you know, how they were democracy wasn't really democracy because only male citizens were voting, but it wasn't just a monarchy or a, you know, a tyrant running the place. And even very influential people could be, you know, executed or they would also, what they also do them? They'd like send them away. What do they call that? Like, uh, they would exile them. They'd say you can't be in Athens for 10 years because you have offended 60% of the other like citizens that can vote. Like that was a thing wow. that, that they could do, which is really like, you know, and then that would completely, you know, prevent you from running whatever you, if you had a business or whatever your life where you'd have to leave. 
But it's a really interesting time period. Also, their interest and fascination with exercise and fitness and health, like they were way ahead of yeah. like, you know, they, that was a really big part of that ancient Greek culture was, you know, the whole yeah. Olympics and stuff. But OK, so let's switch yeah. back to marketing. And so you were kind of a privileged position being that you're, you know, president of Lendesk. So what have you noticed in terms of some practices that has worked well, what you're seeing brokers? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I go back to this book that I always reference and some of our team, if they're listening, they'll laugh, but there's two ideas I kind of, I think about a lot and then, and that top of funnel. So if we're talking about a marketing funnel, right? Like what's work, you start with the top of the funnel and that's really about that attention and awareness side. And there's a book that I read a while back that really left a lasting impact. It's called made to stick. And the whole book is about create, yeah, it's creating these sticky moments and these moments that, you know, we think as people in, when we like think back on our experiences, we think in moments and we don't think in, you know, when I think about this vacation, I have a few like flashes or light bulb moments. And what's funny is that's the way we think. But when we create our businesses and we create experiences for our clients or our customers, we actually don't create those moments and experiences. But what if we did? And right. and made to stick. The, my one of my favorite stories is this idea of a hotel that's pretty average on the inside. It doesn't have like a ton of you know cool decor or, or any kind of expensive you know furniture, whatever. And they just created a telephone, a red telephone, out by the pool. And when you pick up the telephone, they say, "Hey, this is the popsicle service. Like, what can I bring you?" And they have a free popsicle service they bring out on the platter. And you look at it on TripAdvisor. It has like all these five star reviews. It's the best hotel in LA and they're just so good at creating moments. And so when it comes to like, what are we doing at Lendesk? I actually want to do a little bit more of this because I think we could be stronger here. But in terms of like thinking about the brokers who are doing the best job, I would say it has to come down to this idea of what is that memorable thing that you're doing that your competitor's not doing? And um, the ones that stick out, I think are winning. Like I can't hammer this point home enough. Like I just was actually at physical therapy this morning. And it was the first time I'd been there and the guy sat me down and he gave me tea to like talk about the things that, you know, I needed to fix on my body. And like, when I'm sharing that with a friend now, this is where referrals start for a mortgage broker is like, what's that first interaction to create something so memorable in your sales process? Like I called a friend on the way home and I was like, this guy sat me down for tea at a physical therapy appointment. You know, like that is creating the memorable experience that you talk about. So that's top of funnel. That's awareness. Yeah, I got a few other thoughts, but I'll, I'll turn it over to you for a okay, second. Okay, so top of funnel was, well, you said there's two things. So I'm going to come back top of funnel. Let's talk about the other part. What yeah. was it? I mean, so I was going to go straight down the funnel, middle of funnel. Okay, so let, okay, then we'll, then we'll peel back and we'll talk about, because we're going to get into just marketing speak. So the name of that hotel is the Magic Castle Hotel. It's in Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's this yellow, older looking building, nothing special. And they crush because they, crush. they focus on experiences. The telephone hotline is just one of the popsicle hotlines. One they bring in magicians. They got like a laundry server. Like they really think about parents are here with their kids. We're competing with Disney freaking land, or people are bringing their kids to Disneyland. So like that's the stuff you have to think about. And we as mortgage brokers need to do a better job of creating great experiences. And I'll give you an example. One of my friends does, which I think is genius. So after his first discovery call, his assistant will send a handwritten note to that client saying, "Hey," and it kind of looks like it comes from Steve. Hey, thanks. Great to meet you. Looking forward to working with you. Here's a scratch and win. I got a feeling this is going to be a good one. You know, good luck. Basically, like, <laughs> so awesome. it's, a, it's a $2 scratch and win. It says $10,000 possible on it. 
and they go, yeah. holy crap. Like that is a moment yeah. that you can create. It right? is. Yes. And it's a, just a very simple cost wise. It's not much, but you have to deliver on it consistently, right? Like that hotline, yeah. it doesn't yeah. work if nobody answers the phone. If they're like ring, right. ring, ring, goes to voicemails, like this is stupid. The idea is okay, but the execution of the idea is where everything lives or dies. And so you have to execute. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think some brokers just aren't thinking enough outside the box to get to that memorable thing that will be their memorable experience they're creating. So like, you know, just another story that happened to me just to kind of like maybe help them get some ideas is I was at a golf course in Arizona and it's still one that I talk about. They brought warm homemade chocolate chip cookies out on the course. So you're like used to a drink cart. I'm a big golfer so that you're used to like a drink cart coming around and the drink cart comes up and then they bring out fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. And I have not shut up about this course over the last three or four years, right? Like these are the moments that if you can think of this way, like send a pizza to your client's house when they close, like do something weird. And it's one of my favorite quotes is do common things in uncommon ways and command the attention of the world. And that's a George Washington Carver quote. It's the way I do leadership. It's the way I interact with people is I want to be slightly different I want to create memorable experiences. And I think it helps you in life. It helps you be creative. It unlocks some of your own passions. I can't speak enough about it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. There's, I'll give you one other example that I heard of a broker doing. So she still meets her clients face-to-face, at least she was when I was talking to her last. And she would get them to fill out an all about you form. So, hey, I got to know your mortgage application. I want to get to know you personally because our clients are people to us and to ask all these questions. Do you like cats, dogs? coffee, tea, favorite chocolate bar, they show up to that meeting and she has whatever their favorite chocolate bar is. So it's like Kit Kat. Hey man, remember you used to be like Kit Kat? Here you go. You're not even competing anymore on the same, like you're not even playing the same game, no. right? You're uh, not playing the same game. You're exactly right. Have you ever seen Mad Men? Yeah, I've never watched the whole series, but I've watched a few like episodes of it here and there. But yeah, I don't About this like, yeah, Draper, like this marketer, right? You know, like there's a scene that I, I always talk about where He's with Lucky Strike, the cigarette company, and it's right when they're starting to crack down, saying you have to put this, you know, smoking kills on all the cartridges. And so this Lucky Strike comes into him and they say, how are we even going to do this? Like, this is going to kill our business. And he goes, how do you make your cigarettes? And they start speaking. They say, okay, well, we cut the tobacco, we roll it, we toast it. And then Draper says, stop right there. You toast it. Lucky Strike, it's toasted. And then everyone's like, but all of our competitors toast cigarettes. And he's like, no, your competitors' cigarettes kill. Your cigarettes are toasted. And I know cigarettes is maybe not the best example within age well, but the idea here is that look at your process and look at the terms that a borrower or a client is using to describe you, to describe your process and your reviews. And you need to own that. You need your it's toasted moment to say like, this is my moment that I have that's unique. And it doesn't even have to be unique if you make it your own and you make your own like light spin on it, right? I mean, that's what Smart Docs I think did for Finmo. Like to take it back to like my history, I think the way that that rolled out to the market was that it's toasted moment and what actually helped us organically become what we were. Right. You know, I always think about like, we have processes that we do all the time but we don't give them a label. So I think the reason I put labels on things is literally I have 80, I have, my wife says I have like, I'm like an Etch-a-Sketch, I wake up like, but it's great for creativity, <laughs> it's terrible for memory, but the only way I can remember things is it's gotta be really sticky for me to do it. So I will create a product around a process. So for instance, you know, one of the things we talk about is people say we have great communication. 
You say, I have a communication commitment. What is my communication commitment? And then you break down exactly what's involved in that communication commitment, including metrics that can be measured. And then people go, oh, well, my other mortgage broker says they just communicate. No, no, I have a commitment, right? Or it's like the yeah. uh, Domino's pizza in 30 minutes are free. And then yes. all of a sudden you take something you were already doing, like they're toasting it, or you're already mm -hmm. doing communication, but you've got to put some kind of container around it to make it memorable. And people identify with you as that. So I totally think I, I resonate I that. with that big time. Yeah. Okay. You talk yeah. about middle of funnel. So top of funnel, get the attention. You know, how do you think about middle of funnel? Let me say one quick thing to finish top of funnel. I think there might be some people out there who want like practical tips because we also have done that. So let me just rattle off a few things that I've, I've been thinking sure. about lately. So I think a lot of people are trying to compete. They get overwhelmed when they start thinking about ads. And so they start saying like, how can I run ads against some of these, you know, maybe the larger raid shops or some of these people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on the ads. I think making it hyper-local, knowing what your memorable moment is, knowing what your thing is. So 10 miles, like get on Instagram, answer a really important question that might be slightly controversial, have your own take on it. Do a video of that. Do it in a spot in the city that people can recognize. Run a 10-mile radius ad on Instagram. Don't even worry about setting up the tracking and the pixel tracking. Just see if you can get one customer to respond. See if you can get one person to click through your link to sign up on Finmo. And we have like some tracking in that, but just see if you could do one time and then rinse and repeat until you get a video that resonates with an audience. So I want to dumb that down top of funnel, like take your memorable thing, throw it on the Instagram reel. It's super easy to do. Run an ad, boost the post 10 miles in your radius, like maybe target the demographic or age group you're looking at for a new home buyer, whatever it is, and take them to a lead form or even just see if they'll DM you into your message. But like, just take it really simple is what, right. what my advice would be top of funnel. Okay. Middle of funnel. Look, I think this is about creating certainty and trust as fast as possible. So you've got their awareness. Actually, it's funny. We talked about ethos, pathos, logos. Like this is where it gets into the, you have to build those as fast as you possibly can, especially the ethos side. Like I want to know that you're not scamming me. And how do you do that? I loved your communication commitment because I think one of the questions that goes underutilized is how do you like to be contacted? Right. Right. It's unbelievable. Like my older brother tells me, he goes, if I have anyone that's calling me, it's game over right there. I have phone anxiety. I hate talking on the phone. Whereas someone like me, I'm like, let's just get on the phone. Let's just get this done. Right. And so this preference, like he'd rather text through an entire mortgage process and respecting your client and creating, Hey, look, I'm going to ask something of you. And when you give it to me, I'm going to give you something back. And this is the reciprocity process that actually builds trust. They ask you a question, how much can I afford? You need to deliver on that in the means that they have asked you to deliver on it. Text, phone call, whatever that is. I would okay. say that I like that concept, but the only thing about that I would push back on that is that as a guy who's easily distracted and I would push everybody towards a single point of communication, like, hey, you know, don't text me your mortgage questions. Cause like some of my friends who are very successful mortgage brokers, a client will be texting himself, hey, can you send it to my email so that my team and I don't miss it? This is just my own wiring. If I have four places to keep track of somebody's mortgage, I am going to screw it up. And they're going to say, hey, don't right. forget to change my down payment to this. And I'm going to be like, oh, dang, the instructions went out. They're calling me at the lawyer's office. They're pissed off because I got a text when I was sitting in my, like, if you can function that way, I say, do it. I know for me, I would like, you know, and if I was working with like your brother, sure, I would limit the number of phone calls. I don't think we need a ton of phone calls. But I also, um, yeah. I would definitely limit the number of conversations that I would have with them. But I also like using video a lot. Like I like doing recorded videos and sending somebody a short go. video with an explanation. 
because I believe in this concept, whenever possible, show, don't tell. So I can tell you something. I can say, hey, you don't qualify. Or I can open up, you know, FINMO and I can show you TDS and explain what TDS is and say, hey, look, this is the max TDS. And the way I've explained it, it's 44%. And if it's over by 0.1, it's like missing the bus by a minute. You miss the bus by a minute or 10 minutes, you ain't getting on the bus. So here's what we can do. Here's some options. And then you explain to them. And then this goes back to ethos. They trust you because you're like a mechanic who explains and shows me what the problem is and just saying, hey, give me $5,000 and I'll fix your car. Don't worry. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry, little lady or whatever, somebody who's going to treat you disrespectfully. I don't understand cars, by the way, at all. So, but I think, you know, for me, so I would say, yes, I think that can work. But I know that the way I'm wired, I would be a catastrophe with multiple points. Well, like that's a tools problem, right? Like if you could have a CRM or even if you're texting out of Venmo or whatever it is, but all the communication is centered in one spot, you theoretically could have phone calls, videos, text, all routed to the same spot. And that would be under the client profile or the deal. That would be the premium setup, right? Yeah. Um, so I, can, I do have a CRM with that, that in it, but I don't use yeah. it. Like in the past, I've used it, but and it is pretty effective. I can phone, email, you can record calls, everything. Like it's pretty powerful, actually. But my yeah. team uses it, but I don't use it for my nine to five. But so, yes, if I was brokering, I probably would use something like that because then I wouldn't mind texting. If yeah. it's sitting in the file attached to the person's name, fine. It's when it's going to my cell yeah. phone. And I'm not in my office and now they wanted to make a change to their mortgage. And I got to let my team know. I'm like, I'm going to miss that. Like I just, yeah, I'm going to, well, I mean, so we have, uh, this actually brings me to another point that I was going to say is like having live chat within the Venmo portal. So we have like an intercom integration. To me, it's one of the most underutilized integrations that I see on Venmo. Why it's having a borrower going through the mortgage. They're going to have a question. There's going to be a question that you just can't preempt. And being able to like pop open that corner widget and actually chat with someone live. I think it's actually a lot why brokers actually love Venmo is because they have a two minute response time from our CS team. They can just get the answer they need right there. Also, you use it at a time. Yeah, people use lot, it all the time. Yeah, Intercom has like a lot of out of the box tools that you can actually leverage. So like it'll have like a video chat feature, you know, that you can pop up. You could expand it into a, a screen sharing call. You could do an intercom so you could see which part of the funnel they dropped off at. If they dropped off at assets, you could target that link and you could send them an email from intercom saying, hey, you haven't finished your application yet. We saw you got to this stage. Was there a question you had? So I think it's like the amount of stuff you can do with it compared to what I actually see brokers doing today. Like there's so much potential for what that integration can provide. Right. I know that when we've had questions about like as the broker logged into our side and we say, hey, Somebody's really quick about answering how to solve any problems. But yeah, so if I put my own version of intercom on that I can communicate with my clients, is that what you're talking about? Exactly. My Finmo account, I could embed a intercom that then allows me to communicate with borrowers. Exactly. You can have macros, which are like fast responses. You can do help articles. So it'll suggest when they type in a question, it's starting to use AI as well. Like we're going to beta a feature where it's starting to like help us with the responses. So it's going to pull in some chat GPT stuff to actually be able to help you as the person communicate with the borrower. I mean, there's a lot of potential there and I'm just tip of the iceberg. It's expensive. Like I'm not going to lie, intercom's expensive, but it's worth it when you consider middle of funnel conversions because you have an engaged user, like this is a person you need to get across the line. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that is a cool concept. What is the cost of it? Is it based on a seat or is it based on how do they yeah, price it? I think it's based on a number of like clients. So like depending on your size and your volume, like I guess every time that you have someone sign up for Finmo, it would create a new user. And that's what Intercom's billing you at month to month. But I mean, it's not like 
like we're talking hundreds of dollars a month for Lendesk and we have thousands of brokers, right? So it's not like ridiculous, but I don't know right. what the price point is that a broker would balk at it. Right. It depends on how you use it. But just as a thought, what if like, say a brokerage had, and then in your case, you have client success people that sit on the other side of the intercom account and they answer yep. questions. I don't know if we're going to do this. I just went to the intercom site and they're already trying to talk to me. No, you can't help me. Stop. I can't talk to you right now. But um, See, and that's probably automated, right? So you can oh, for say sure like, it's automated. Delay on but it, it'll engage a person. So if there's like 30 seconds on a page, like you could actually pop up and prompt the borrower, hey, we noticed you're stalled out here. Is there something that I can help you answer on your income? You could pop up a help article that says, here are some tips. We see that you're on this page. So in Finmo, when you do your 10th submission, we fire off a message that says, hey, you're one of the top submitters because you've like crossed the onboarding phase. You're now into the submission page. Is there anything we could be doing better? And so we start getting product feedback through automation with Intercom. It's pretty powerful. Right, right. I wonder if like, again, this is just thinking out loud. Um, imagine if the brokerage had, I don't have this. And so if anybody, any of my people are listening to this, be like, do this, Scott. I'm just throwing this idea around. What if we had like, we set up Intercom on any of our agents' websites or Finmo accounts that if they use Finmo, they want to use. And then we have a support person who will be there to answer questions for them that we then could monitor and answer those questions for them and then push them to them. But, you know, still like, good. yeah, like, so I guess it just would be like, how much would it get used, right? Like if it was available, would people use it? Because then again, this is the thing I like about the brokerage. So I've done a lot of different things. I've done being a broker, coaching, creating different products, but the brokerage, I can do things at scale. I couldn't do like, you know, this is something I could mm -hmm. do potentially at scale. That would make sense where we could have like a application support assistance that basically assist any of our agents. Like, I don't know, maybe something worth piling. I'll have to do the math on it and see what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, you can even test it. Like you could pop up at the beginning of an app. I'm just like thinking on the fly here. If you popped up in the Finmo portal, right when they started the application, Hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm going to be here to help you answer any questions you have going through this application. Common mistakes that we see. So even just like heading off, like, People will use, you know, this income amount instead of this one. If you could target that at the time that they hit the income page, you're just making yourself more efficient because you don't have to go back to the borrower for more and more answers. And yeah, you could say like, oh, Finmo needs to build all that in. But what I've seen is that brokers all have a different way of doing it. And this is a great way to customize that experience for your client. Right. Anyway, I'm going to look into that. It's something that uh, I'm going to explore as a something that we'll do. So Okay, middle of funnel, top middle of funnel. Any other thoughts on middle of funnel? I think the last thing I would say is just preempting, and you said this earlier, but like preempting their objection. Like just because you've got them over the first hurdle doesn't mean that you don't need to continually set expectations. I think people just don't know what they don't know. And so they don't know what the next step is. And so there's all this fear and uncertainty. Okay, when I turn my application in, do you like what's going to happen next? And then you tell them, okay, well, this is what we're going to do next. We're going to review your offers, right? Some people do this like, kind of compare and share type thing. Maybe they pull some rates from Lender Spotlight or whatever. They're going to show those to the borrower, but the borrower is still wanting to know, why are you showing me these? Am I going to get pressured into something? Do I have time to make the decision? Are these the only ones that are available to me? Like think about how many questions they have in their head. And so in your communication, you need to preemptively go over some of those things. Hey, we're going to go over this compare and share report. This is going to be a 15 minute Loom video. You're going to get to watch it again in the privacy of your own home. You're going to be able to respond with questions that you have based on this. And once you've agreed with me on the offer that you're going to accept, 
The next step is I'm going to submit this to the lender and then we're going to get the document. Like, you know, just give them your process, give them the next two yeah. steps and actually overcome some of the objections, what I'd say. Yeah, I think that absolutely is what's setting expectations and you always, always, always have to sell the next step. Like always, you've got to be like, let them know what's coming so that it's, I've often joked about, you know, Deeded, you know, the guys from Deeded, right? So they've got this yeah. whole tracking yeah. thing where you can see, okay, we've got the file, you know, we've got it booked, it's closed, whatever. And I call it the Domino's pizza tracker. So when you order a pizza from Domino's, mm -hmm. I can see, oh, my pizza is being made. It's being prepared. Oh, it's in the oven. You know, oh, the guy there is hitting on his coworker. Doesn't say that, but you know, that's happening. That's like pizza's being checked, being cut, being delivered. There's more info on your pizza than there is on your mortgage. And it's a $30 pizza. Yeah. And I think that we need to do a better job of communicating that. And there's a guy that we both know, Alex McFadden, who does a marvelous job of this through communication throughout the process that he's baked into his loan process. And I think that's another mm -hmm. way to create. Wow. creates that like, wow, this is, I yeah. always know where I am. It's like, I'm at step three of five. And like, I think that we could do a better job of that and thinking about it's either tools or process or, you know, but I like that a lot actually. Yeah. Okay. So we talked top of funnel, middle funnel. Is there any other kind of things about marketing that come to mind? No, middle funnel. I think the last would be like kind of that long-term nurture or like that, you know, after close, right? Like what happens after that? Cause I think that's also a huge part of marketing. And yeah. my advice here, and from what I see is people, they just want to like check a box. They just want to say like, oh yeah, I got a long-term drip. It's like a birthday email. It's like a template that yeah. goes out like, you know, and I think that that is where the world's changed. If you want to have that awareness, that top of mind element, it needs to be valuable. And so I would suggest less messages and more valuable messages. So like actually say something meaningful. You know, like I think there's a great product in the US that, you know, we always talk about inside Lindesk of we've been dabbling of different ways to kind of do this ourselves called HomeBot. And it's a solution that oh, yeah. I interviewed the CEO of that. It's a great product. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's blown up. Like it's actually local here in Denver. That's how I met some of the people who work there. But they send a monthly email and it's like a either a real chicken send it or a mortgage broken send it. And it shows the home value. And my click-through rate on that email is 100% because every single month, I want to know what my home value is trending at, right? And yeah. that's like valuable content for me as a client. But what they've done is they've expanded that report into like, how much could I rent it? Air DNA data, which is Airbnb. It's a company that extracts the data to show me how much I could rent it for tonight uh, at my condo. So it's different like value adds on this report. And so like the principle is, you just need something that's really valuable. And I know um, Jason with VIP is kind of like looking at what kind of value can I add to this newsletter? It's all the same principle of how do I create that long-term nurture and that long-term value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did he give you a tour of VIP club? You know, I actually, it was funny. I was talking to someone else and I signed up on their broker link. Just, we were having a chat and I got one of Jason's VIP emails as a test client for another broker. And I started laughing. So that's all I've seen of VIP so far, but Jason and I are trying to, to work on an integration for Fenmo here shortly that you could have your client data sync into VIP. Right. Right. Yeah. That'd be good. Did he tell you where that idea came from? Cause I came up with that idea and no. I sold it to the main. So, oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was started that like 2009 and I was running basically contests to my database. I came to the conclusion people don't want rate sheets because that's like sending out like, imagine if you buy a car every month, they send you the car prices. You're like, I don't care, you know, really. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. I thought, but people like contests. And so we ran it and then I sold it to Ryan Wiley. And then he partnered with Jason on it. And I should have partnered with Jason 
like I love Ryan and Jason, I don't care. But knowing now, it would have been way smarter for me to partner with a guy like an integrator like Jason than to sell it to another marketer like Ryan. But it all worked out. But yeah, so um, <laughs> that's yeah, funny. I'm, a, I'm here pitching VIP and it was actually your brain. It was my baby. That like I think it's just one of these things that just needs to exist, you know, and they've taken the thing to another level. Like it's way beyond you know, where yeah, we yeah. started with the thing. So I think they're doing fantastic. But the email was really um, good. Yeah. That I, that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are your last thoughts or what have I not asked you that you think I should have asked you about? I think the last thing I would say is like, I kind of started talking to you. I don't know if we were on the air yet, but when it comes to marketing and the digital marketing experience, those lines are being blurred, right? You are a marketer, right? You're a salesperson, you're a marketer. And every single step of your digital journey needs to be memorable it needs to be sticky and when you're sending out an email don't just like pull random text like think about what that email needs to say and think about the wow moment that you can give the clients each and every step of the process and the more granular you get one of my favorite things is this is just my a larger life kind of thing but they start to zoom out when they want to be important in other words they look at the story or what's happening in their life or what's happening in the mortgage process whatever it is and in order to find meaning, they try and like zoom out and they try and do this big, like overlooking, like, how do I change this whole process? But really what they actually should be doing is zooming in and that the more detailed you get in the story, the more meaning you're going to find in their mortgage process with your clients and actually in your own life. So just like get smaller, go deeper and get more present with the people you're working with. Right. Yeah, that's really good. You know, one of the things that I've always said when, and I, I happen to really like email marketing and a lot of people do it wrong. And when, especially when you're writing an email that you call a newsletter, I don't even like the word newsletter, but no. so the best way to write a newsletter is to write to one person. And so I will often, yeah. if I'm writing to a group, like I got a big email list of mortgage brokers, I will picture one person in my mind and I will write the email to that one person. I'll even put their name in the draft. I'll be like, hey, Carter. And then I'm writing to you. And now if I substitute Carter for Bob and Sally and Sue, it lands better. It's not like, a, hello, everyone. I just wanted to sh like, but like my kids school yeah. send me those emails. I never read them. I actually miss my kids parent yeah. interview because I don't read their freaking emails are terrible because if they wrote better emails, <laughs> I would pay attention. But in any case, yeah. I think that this goes back to like, to speak to the one person, not to the many. Nobody wants to be spoken to like they're a group. Yeah. You risk missing the core art. Like if you don't have that avatar, we talk about a lot of marketing or that buyer persona that you're targeting and you don't cater that message directly for that person you're too generic to get noticed. So if you cast a wide net and you don't get specific with whatever that memorable thing is or that pitch to a client, I actually think you get lost in the noise because everyone is generic. Everyone's trying to cast a wide net. You have to write to that one person in order to be sticky. So that this kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, I, I totally that. agree. Okay, so last question for you. So because since you're the you know, president of Lendesk, what's something you're working on there that you're excited about? I would say we just launched document submission, which was a huge achievement. And what I love about it is that we took, you know, smart docs, which was something that I was really proud of. It was kind of a sticky moment, aha moment for a lot of brokers. But I think a lot of them have not experienced this because it's obviously launched, um, you know, with a limited lender set right now. So they might not have even experienced it yet, but it's that second wow moment where the way we've done it in the UI the way it clicked for some people on a demo and I'm excited where that's going to go. So that's probably one of them. And then the other one would probably be 
I'm really looking forward to how the Venmo product, it's already expanded in terms of API. So when I got into this industry, no one was talking about APIs. No one was talking about integrations or Zapier or CRMs that connected. Everyone's like, I want this holy grail all in one. But the world has gotten so specialized and there's all these different people doing all these cool tech projects. And Finmo has continually behind the scenes made it more and more open and accessible. So now we have people leveraging Finmo where you wouldn't even know that it's Finmo because they built their entire borrower portal on our APIs. And that excites me because we can kind of be this like core engine in a lot of different ways using the underlying tech and let people dream and create. Um, and I think that's where innovation is going to explode. You can like 10x the output if you're allowing people to build on top of your API. So I'm really excited about where the industry is going and, and that and the tools that we're, we're opening up. Right. Well, this kind of makes me think of like Roblox, which is a $32 billion company. I don't even know that because I looked it up recently. I'm not following that closely. But the thing that yeah. made Roblox, I think, incredibly sticky was the fact that anybody could be a creator. And you yeah. can't out-create the crowd. Like you just can't. And you can't mm -hmm. out-think and out-innovate the crowd. And by creating a platform that is allows for innovation, it makes it really hard. And some of them are going to work. Some of them are going to be dumpster fires. But at the end of the day, that innovation is very hard to compete with. And so I'll leave you with that. So yeah, man, this has been a lot of fun. We don't get to talk enough. I think you know, we could talk for hours about marketing and uh, you've given me some ideas of things that I'm going to take away from this. So obviously, guys, if you're listening, go check out Lendesk.com. We're big fans of the product. And I'm going to be honest, you guys have a sponsorship relationship with me, but I could have had that relationship with any of the companies. They all were willing to do a deal with me. Thank you. Like yeah. every yeah. single company was like, hey, we'll do something with you. But what I looked for personally was something that actually was really simple to use and then thought was forward thinking enough to be like, hey, can we connect with Zapier? Like that's a simple request, but I don't yeah. think there's going to be one tool that can rule them all. I think you're going to need a, like as an electrician, you don't have one tool that's a drill and a voltimeter and a hammer, like you use different tools, but I want my tools to communicate as much as possible. And so that's what I think about when I look at these things. And that's what I like about what you guys have done and that your whole you know ethos is about making sure that that actually works well together. So thanks brother for leading well, that well, Thank you. Yeah, that's really flattering. And yeah, we're excited to have partners like yourself that are ready to push the envelope, see what we can do. What we can yeah, do I got some ideas together. too. After what we just talked, I got, I got ideas. Okay, man, good chat with you. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Hopefully you got some ideas from that conversation with Carter. I love talking to people that are into marketing and that really understand this stuff and just riffing back and forth. We could have talked for another hour easily. Tons of fun and super impressed with what they're doing over there at Lendesk. In this next segment, I talked to Tom Hall about the top three reasons you're losing leads today. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott. Great to be here. So what topic are we going to jump into today? Yeah, this is one I think we've danced around a little bit, but I think we want to kind of address it head on today. And I think it's I'm bringing it up because it's top of mind for a lot of folks who work with is so how we're going to phrase it or how I'm going to title this segment is the top three reasons you're losing leads today and any day, but today especially. So to get right into it, I guess the first one, and I'll address it right away because it's the one that we hear the most. And it's probably the one that popped into most people's heads as soon as this topic came up. And it's the simplest and probably the most powerful one, right? Which is you're simply forgetting about them, right? You have a, a million files on the go. You know, hey, I have this approval coming up. Yes, you just got this realtor reaching out to you and saying, hey, you got to talk to you know, Tom, my client, but you just didn't have the time. And then a week goes by and it slips through the crack. And now that lead's gone. 
right? And so what I say to that is, yes, it loses that lead. And, you know, there's all sorts of tactics we can talk about to how you address that. But then also the hidden kind of cost to that a little bit is that it reflects poorly on you for your referral partners, right? So in a sense, maybe not completely, but in a sense, you're also losing that referral partner at one small increment at a time. So, you know, if they reach out a week later and say, hey, did you end up doing work with Tom? You go, oh, crap, I forgot. You right. know, that's not the experience that you want for, well, obviously your leads, but also your referral partners. Yeah, it's, it comes down to just not being organized. Like if you're not yeah. organized with your own stuff, your stuff is going to slip, which is why you should have a CRM. Ding! <laughs> you know, if you're looking <laughs> for one, Blue Morgan, <laughs> ding! I'm yeah. just kidding. Okay, so yeah. first is yes, you're not organized, which is ultimately will lead you to forgetting. I forget stuff like I have to write things down or it is gone. Yeah, it's uh, my brain is like an etch a sketch every day. I wake up and it's like, what's up today? And you know, shake so, it, yeah, yeah shake it and start over. So it's yeah. great for creativity. It's terrible for holding detail. Uh, what would be the second reason people lose leads? Yeah, the second one is you're just not quick enough, right? So you know, I could talk about a concept of kind of speed to lead a lot, and sometimes more if you're in the world of maybe doing some online business or you you know collecting leads through social media. I think it's especially important because if you're trying to find leads online, you got to believe that same lead has 10 tabs open, right? They're just putting their name in all the different tabs and getting you through. And, you know, I heard that in that scenario too, if you respond in five minutes versus an hour, your conversion like increases by three times or five times or something like that, right? You know, that speed is how you can really stand out to the other nine tabs. But I do want to kind of push on it a little too for a lot of people that they're saying, well, I don't do online, so it doesn't apply to me. You know, I think it still does, right? And I think, you know, it comes back to, well, just setting a tone for the overall experience that you're going to have with that client. And also just, again, kind of going back to the referral partner, how great is that for the referral partner? Maybe they're showing a house or whatever, they're actually there with a client. And in that same amount of time that they've texted you, you've already reached out to the client. That's a pretty nice closed loop of, meeting your referrals and providing the service that you need there. So that that speed applies, yes, sure, on the online. And I think that's very obvious there. But even in the world of referrals, it goes a really long way. Oh, totally. And I, I always say time kills all deals. So like the longer you take to get it right. started, the longer you take to follow up. And if you think about this, if you're a mortgage broker, who are your favorite underwriters at lenders? They're good yeah. at communicating. They're like on it. Yeah. Like the ones that you call, and you don't get to hold them for three days, even if they have the best rate in the world. It's so stressful, it's not worth it. Like, so <laughs> if that's what you want in your underwriter, right? In a good lending underwriter partner, it would be the same thing that a client would want in you and a realtor would want in you as a partner. Yeah. So I, yeah, and I think a, that's a great way to think of it. And I think speed, I mean, I don't think it necessarily means, okay, just rip through the file and just, you know, get this thing done as quickly as possible. I mean, speed can just mean, like you said, just the communication, like, hey, I reached out to you and I'm hearing back in a decent amount of time. Often that's just enough to kind of check that box of being speedy enough. Right. Right. John Wooden, the most, you ever heard of him? The, no. He's got 10 no. NCAA basketball championships. No one's ever, it's kind of like the old Belichick of sure. college basketball. Right. And okay. he'd done it over not many years. Not the Duke years. guy, right? He's not the Duke guy. Uh, UCLA, I thought he was. Oh, um, okay. But, okay. I think someone else. But anyway, yeah. he had this thing, be quick, but don't hurry. Which was right. like, when like you're moving that. the ball, yeah. like you got to be quick, but if you hurry, you're actually going to make mistakes. And so mm -hmm. there's a difference between like, you know, being quick, but not hurrying. And even when I was a paramedic, you know, they used to tell us like, don't run. They coached mm. us like we would go into a yeah, scene. Yeah. If I am going to an ambulance scene and I decide I got to run to get there, what physiology state am I going to show up? I'm going to be pounding. as amped as everybody yeah. else. Walk quickly because running is not going to, you know, buildings on fire for firefighters might be different, but for a paramedic, 20 seconds is not going to make any difference. 
But me being amped physiologically and in the same state as the people I'm trying to take care of is not going to help. So I think it comes back to the same idea. Don't run. Don't uh, run. But or was it? Yeah, be quick, but don't be, hurry. Yeah. Be quick, but don't hurry. I think that's good. Okay, so then you forget. Yep. So the reason why they lose people lose leads is forget because not organized. The second is they're not responding quickly enough because yep. they don't have a system or process. What will be the third thing that you see why people uh, are losing leads? Yeah, and I think the last one is just kind of, okay, you can check those first two boxes, but you still want to provide that differentiated experience. And I think, you know, that's something that I always talk about in the broker channel. I think the big advantage is that you can move quicker than, you know, maybe the banks. Because in my mind, a lot of the time, I know we kind of talked about this before, you thought a little differently, but banks are sometimes in my mind, the bar, right? Because everyone can walk into a bank and get that mortgage experience. So that's always what you're competing against. But as a broker, you can be quick and so you can adopt new technologies or new techniques or different ways to deliver a really good customer experience. And that's how you can be differentiated. And that's the way you can basically prevent any lost leads, right? Because if you're just going to do the same thing as a bank or maybe even a little bit worse, well, you know, it's just so easy for that client to look at their alternatives. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I mean, I know that the banks are technically the, you know, the biggest competitor, but I also think that when it comes to customer experience, we're not just competing with mortgage transactions, we're competing with how Amazon works, how oh, yeah, right. a customer's yep. expectations are much higher. Their willingness to deal with frustration is much lower. And so that is just in all areas of life. The fact that Amazon has figured out that you click a button and show literally, it seems like the, it's in the truck showing up right now. It's, it's crazy. So yeah. Fast. It's, yeah. And it yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that people kind of expect that. They're like, you know, it's right. quicker. And, and I've heard in China, they have like their, their version of Amazon. They use bike couriers and their goal is to get your delivery within two hours. So you okay. order something. Wow. And it shows up by a bike courier within two hours. And it's like a convenience store is dead. Like, why would even bother with them go to the convenience <laughs> store? Like, you know, I would no like kidding. this. And boom, yeah. somebody shows up on a bike courier with it. And so I think this is exciting. I mean, some people could be like, I'm, right. I'm exhausted by the constant, maybe because I like change and I like things to, you know, always be improving. I'm actually like, let's go. And anybody who doesn't want to do that is going to get like left behind. They're going to get blown into like, you know, your days are numbered if you're not willing to improve your customer experience. And yeah. really obsess about it. So I think we're it's in that age. We're in that age of you know transparency of information, right? So there's no being able to hide and say, hey, this is just the way things are. There's so much information out there. There's so much across all sorts of domains that you have a very educated client, very educated consumer, and yeah. an educated consumer is one that has options, right? So yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. So what the thing about this whole part though is, how do you not forget? How do you be quick on your leads? How to differentiate your experience, I would say, come back to having a process, having a software like a CRM. So like Blue Mortgage, like you guys have. So you guys are a fantastic tool for this that would allow people to not forget to be able <laughs> to create a process where if it's not them following up, it could be something in their team. You know, yep. like one of my favorite examples of follow-up is Lori Rasmussen, who does like in a small town yeah. Alberta, does like 400 yeah. mortgages a year. And I think she's got like a one hour Actually, no, I don't think they go to voicemail. Like, it, like the phone rings and it's somebody answers it on the team. Like it does not go to voicemail. And like- It just keeps so ringing. Yeah. It just, well, yeah, somebody's going to answer that phone. And like, yeah, yeah. Know, that's the kind of idea. Like, and there's a reason she crushes mortgages is because she's good communication and you know runs an efficient shop. But And it's her team. Um, and, yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yep. what would you kind of final say on, on this whole idea of losing leads? Yeah. Well, I think you did a good job summarizing it. And I think, yeah, you know, across all those things, that's how you- keep those leads for now, but also in the future, right? So, you know, I think, especially now people are, a lot of people are thinking about their overall book of business. 
and how they can mine it or make the most value of it. And building that book of business starts with the leads, right? So it's the foundation of building that up. And so that applies to your clients, but also, you know, as we kind of talked about too, with your referral partners, right? So every time you're able to provide these fantastic experiences, you know, a realtor or whoever is more likely to refer more business to you. So think about it in both those angles. Right. Yeah, totally. And if you guys are listening to this and you want to look at a CRM option, go check out bluemortgage.ca. Blue has no E in it. And yeah, uh, thanks, Tom, for coming to chat with me, man. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening. My conversation with Carter, as well as Tom, hopefully you picked up a couple nuggets for your mortgage business. If you want to get a whole bunch of more nuggets, go to ilovemortgagebroking.com. You can set up a free power search account where you can keyword search all of our past episodes. You can type in marketing, you can type in first time buyer, you can type in scripting, you can type in financial planner, you can type in accountant. It'll bring you to every instance in every episode where we bring that up and you make it on full screen. You can actually see the text is actually transcribed and you can copy and paste any templates or scripts. It's totally powerful, totally free. Check it out at ilovemortgagebroking.com. And thank you again for listening to the show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.